passengers hit theaters over the holidays, but is this film worth the one hour and 56 minute trip aboard the Avalon to Homestead 2? The current score of 31% on Rotten Tomatoes says no, but do I think otherwise? Find out right now on a brand new episode of Matt in a Matinee. Welcome everyone to another episode of Matt and a Matinee. As always, I am your host, Matt. And on this episode, I'll be taking you on a 120-year trip aboard the Avalon as we review the movie Passengers. As always, my format will remain the same. I'll give you my likes, dislikes, thoughts, all spoiler-free. And then when I decide to get into some spoilers, I'll make sure to let you all know. So that way, in case you haven't seen the movie, you have time to hit that pause button, stop this podcast, go see the film if you're interested in seeing the film, and then come on back and hear what I had to say with it. Then we can compare and contrast our reviews, and you can say, yeah, Matt, I agree with you completely, or you're a complete fucking idiot. This was a great movie. Either way, I, I'm just happy for the interaction, I think. I think, yeah. Well, that's being said, let's just jump into it, and let's not waste any more time, and let's review Passengers. Passengers takes place aboard the Starship Avalon, and it's a 120-year voyage to a distant colony planet known as Homestead 2, while transporting 5,259 people who are all in hibernation. Along the way, a malfunction occurs, and as a result, two hibernation pods open permanently, and the two people that are in them awake, Jim Preston, Chris Pratt, and Aurora Lane, Jennifer Lawrence, are stranded on the spaceship, still 90 years from its destination. My likes on this film, the production value of most of this movie is stunning. With all set pieces and the way everything visually looks and the special effects and the way the ship looks and the way they're going through space and everything around them, <clears throat> the way that the ship is designed, the the accoutrements on the ship are all really, really nice and, and, and visually stunning to look at. Uh... Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence have great on-screen chemistry. This film has a lot of nods and references to The Shining and other films. You'll you'll pick them up. Um, if you've ever seen The Shining, they, there's this one part where they go into the, the bar. It's not really a spoiler, but they go into the bar, and it's very – in the cyborg or robotic bartender is there, and it's very an, a nod and homage to The Shining. It, it's really, really well done. And you really just can't miss it. Um, Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, do I do I really need to say more? I don't feel like. Well, I mean, I guess it would be this would be more. Um, in the don't like, but I don't feel like this was her strongest performance. But I still feel like she did a really good job in this movie. I don't feel like she's the biggest box office draw anymore. Um, I think her her box office draw kind of hit its heyday with the hunger games and, and she always does well with the Marvel movies, but I mean, those have, those make money no matter who's in them. And her, her last movie joy didn't do very well. So I don't know. And I kind of question her box office draw, um, anymore as far as this movie's concerned and joy and, and things like that. But other than that, I think she did a really good job in this movie for the most part. And, you know, she really nailed those bikini scenes and 
<laughs> in sex scenes and things like that. I know that sounds very chauvinistic and piggish of me, but that there's really not much <laughs> more that she's, she really did in this film. Uh, my dislikes on this film is that this movie is very predictable and plays out exactly like you think it is. There's no surprising turns in this film. The movie is slow. This movie misses on so many opportunities that it could have made it great, but just ignores them. Uh, nothing in this film felt original. A lot of parts make you think of, well, I've seen that in this film, like The Shining or 2001 A Space Odyssey or Gravity. It, it all, it all. like I said, there's a lot of nods to other films, and you're, you're very much like, well, I've seen this before, and it, nothing feels very original. If this film was told in a different order, I would probably have been 10 times more interested as a major plot point is revealed in the first act. And I feel like it would have been a better if revealed later on in the movie. And I'll get into that into the spoiler section. Um, Cause I mean, this, this happens, you find this out like within the first 30 minutes of the movie. And I just feel like if these events were placed more towards the end of the film, it would have been more impactful. Um, this film consistently feels like it's building up to something and, and building and building and building, but the payoff just never comes. You're, you're still left sitting in the theater once the movie's over waiting for this payoff that just never comes. At times, the music is so loud that it takes you out of the film. It takes you out of the ambiance of the, the director and the cast are trying to get you in. Um, it takes away from the mood. You know, it's supposed to be a space isolation movie and at times the music is just so loud it removes you and makes you forget that you're supposed to be watching an isolation a space isolation movie um i mean there's not a lot a whole lot i can say about this film people ask me how i would describe it a lot of times and i said you know I, i describe it a lot like titanic in space they're on a ship. The only difference is instead of the whole crew being alive and around, they're all asleep. So they're on a ship. Ship hits a meteor. Shit starts going south. People are going to die. You got these two star-crossed lovers that are, are running around trying to figure out what's going on. And I'll get a little bit more into that into the spoiler section, which we're coming up to now as to why I kind of feel like it's it's Titanic in space. All right, so let's get into the spoiler section. The trailer leads you to believe that due to the malfunction of the ship, both pods um, open up, and that's not the case. Chris Pratt's character actually being kind of like a selfish scumbag, um, he's, he's the one that wakes up Jennifer Lawrence. And as I was saying in the first half of the, the review... This is the the part that would have been better found out in a later act. Um, essentially, um, what what happens is that Chris Pratt, uh, his character Jim, is already kind of an obsessed, creepy stalker uh, in this movie. Um, before waking Jennifer Lawrence up, he decides Aurora is his perfect woman after just watching a few of her videos, because they all have like video logs and, and things like that. Um, 
it's kind of like a crazy stalker fan believing a female YouTuber or Twitch streamer is this perfect woman. It's not like um, there aren't plenty of other female uh, females hibernating on the ship. So he kind of watches her and, and stalks her because he wakes up a year before he even wakes her up. So he's by himself on the ship for a year before he starts. He decides, you know what? I'm falling in love with this woman. <coughs> I'm going to wake her up. And then he purposely causes a malfunction with her pod that wakes her up. And um, it's just like, to me, I kind of felt like you could have at least compared the short list a little bit better and find out and choose to wake up like one of the scientists or engineers um, who's most likely be able to fix the hibernation pod that you were woken up from so you can go back to sleep to continue your, your voyage or, you know, someone who can run the ship because as you find out in the movie, everyone's asleep. The crew, passengers, the captain, everyone in this film is asleep in hibernation. So when Chris Pratt wakes up, it's just it's just him. There's nobody else there. So he finds Aurora's tapes and starts watching them, and that's when he wakes her up. And and I just felt like I'm sitting there like you could have woke up someone that could have benefited you a little bit more. Someone who could have maybe helped you fix this pod, helped you go back to sleep. Knowing that the ship was malfunctioning, because it starts malfunctioning before you wake her up, that they could help you fix the ship malfunctions and and things like that. But nope, that you you decided to wake her up because you're selfish and you're kind of a creepy stalker, bro. Um, once Aurora finds out in the middle of the first act that he opened her pod, she becomes angry with him. And then later she kind of just overlooks it. Um, and it becomes overlooked by the fact that they're about to die and that she is quick to forgive him and leading to the film playing out just like you think it will. Chris Pratt risks his life to save hers. She forgives him and in return saving his, and they spend the remainder of their time on the Avalon together. It So essentially there's there, like I said before, there's cool um, effects in this movie. This movie is beautifully done. It's amazing to look at their stunning special effects. There's a scene where Jennifer Aniston is swimming and Aniston. What Jennifer Lawrence fucking stupid Matt. jennifer lawrence is swimming and as she's swimming the ship loses gravity and as the ship loses gravity the the water that she's swimming in forms a giant water bubble and she's trying to swim out of it and then the waves like the other passion of the water comes and they crash into each other and that was really cool and really well done and it almost gave you like a brief moment of claustrophobia um, but then, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in this film. He plays one of the crew members on the ship and his pod kind of opens up prematurely due to all of the, uh, malfunctions that are going on and, and he lets them into the bridge and, and they're kind of trying to figure out how to fix everything. They basically do a montage to go around fixing the ship. Things that I think would be interesting to see. They don't touch on. They just kind of quickly brush over it. And all of a sudden, you know, Chris Pat and Jennifer Lawrence are fixing this ship with Lawrence Fishburne's help. But what I like about Lawrence Fishburne is even though he's in the movie, he's not in it for very long. You get to see the effects that not everyone is going to wake up from hibernation. Um, okay. He gets sick, very, very sick in 
pretty much dies uh, because of the la- or because of how quickly he was woken up for hibernation and and things like that. Um, one of the stupidest things about this film is you have a ship that's flying through space. Okay, you have what was it five thousand two hundred fifty nine people on this ship in hibernation sleeping. They're set to wake them up four months before they actually reach Homestead 2. And, and all Homestead 2 is this whole thing. It's Homestead, this whole mission is to take people that no wanted to, no longer wanted to live on Earth because it was overpopulated, it was overcrowded technology. They wanted to get back to basics. They wanted to, to basically make a new home. They, they leave and go to Homestead 2 on this journey but they're going to wake them up four months in advance to acclimate them, to get them prepared, to teach them what they need to do to be able to um, grow and rebuild and basically make sustainable life on Homestead 2. But there's only one medical pod on this entire fucking ship. They, They learn through the final act that Chris Pratt read in the, in the schematics that he could use this, this pod to put her back to sleep and says they helped do that. And then she's like, no, I love you. You die, I die. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like how do you only have one medical pod for over 5,000 plus people? That doesn't make any sense. It's just like, well, we need a way to, we got a plot where we're kind of cornered ourselves we need a way to be able to redirect this and rethink about this and, and what we're going to do. So let's put a medical pod there that can actually put her back into hibernation. Boom. Chris Pratt then sacrifices himself and we go from there. That's not what happened. Neither one of them got in that fucking pod. And one of the other things that bothered the shit out of me is that they find that the meteor has punctured the reactor on the ship, the the main reactor, which is making the ship go, and why it's malfunctioning. And the door to bleed it out won't open, so it's going to go critical. So Chris Pratt puts on his fucking magnetic spacesuit, and he, he hobbles outside, and he grabs a door from the fucking spaceship like he's goddamn Captain America, and he stands there, and Jennifer Lawrence, and he opens the door manually, because he can't get it to open. Jennifer Lawrence hits the button to purge the the reactor. And he's sitting there fucking taking a full face fucking load of um, radioactive material and over and radioactive yeah, material to his fucking dome piece. And with that little his hand is still in the way. Like that's one of the best made spacesuits I've ever fucking seen. Um, they've gotta be heat, radiation fucking just got him everything proof nuclear bomb proof to sit there and take all that nuclear and radiation energy and not kill him so then he ends up getting at some point he ends up getting fucking blasted into space and he can't get back to the ship so jennifer lawrence's character gets into her fucking spacesuit, goes out there to try and reach him and Lo and behold, we get a fucking play off of the Martian and the tether isn't long enough. 
somehow she still manages to Chris Pratt manages to float back to her and she still manages to to get him and bring him back into the ship but it's just not it, it's it's just kind of not believable and i understand like this is a space movie it, it's not maybe not necessarily supposed to be believable but at some point you got to think that this should be mathematically plausible and it just doesn't add up um and i know that they're supposed to be in a futuristic time so advances in technology yada 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 what the fuck ever but i just don't i don't think it adds up especially the nuclear reactor part that was the biggest problem i had with this movie because his ass should have been fucking incinerated i'm just saying just and, and, no just oh, no um so essentially i would have liked to see the film end where you know they spend their years together on the avalon they have a family and when these people wake up they're greeted by the um their you know um uh, chris pratt and jennifer lawrence's family that's not what happened they plant a fucking tree in the middle of the spaceship and when all these people wake up in 90 years the fucking sp- it's like a jungle in the fucking middle of the spaceship and the movie ends. You, you don't know if they lived. You don't know if they died. You assume they died because it's fucking 90 years. They could be just old as fuck. They could be like Stan Lee old, but you assume they died. You don't know if they end up getting in the medical or medical pod together or, or what they end up doing. Like <clears throat> there's nothing there. It just tells you in a voiceover that they decided to spend out their years together. And when all these people wake up, there's a fucking tree in the middle of the spaceship and the fucking spaceship is like a jungle. Yeah, this, this movie was not, not what I thought it was going to be. Um, so with that being said, my final thoughts on this film passengers is an all around flimsy script that uh, fails to meet any expectations of the premise undermining what could have been the best sci-fi film of 2016 aside from Arrival, I would probably give Passengers a 4 out of 10. Um, I, I, the only reason that um, they're, they're going to get... The only reason it's going to 4 out of 10 is because of the on-screen chemistry before between Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt and the cool special effects and the the beautiful design, set designs and all the the callbacks to other movies and just just how the film looks um visually and, and things like that otherwise like i said it was it was a flimsy script uh it fails to meet expectations of the premise that you were given in the trailer it just doesn't the payoff like i said before you're waiting for this payoff. You're waiting for this payoff. It feels like this payoff is coming, and it never comes. You're you're left leaving the theater with with nothing, feeling empty inside. So yeah, I think I'm gonna have to give Passengers a four out of ten, and I think it definitely deserves its 31 percent rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't know, but if you went and saw Passengers and or you've seen Passengers, and you feel differently about the film, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your ideas. I'd love to hear your review. So make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to, in the comment section below, um, let me know what you thought of Passengers. Let me know if you liked the movie. 
um, if you didn't like the movie and why not. Like as always, we want to start a discussion with you. We don't want this to be a one-sided conversation. I like discussion. Constructive discussion is always good. So like I said, let me know. If you like Passengers, if you didn't like Passengers, why or why not? If you liked my review, comments, um, if you had any questions about the movie, let me know in the comment section below on on Facebook or SoundCloud or leave it in a comment on on uh, iTunes because believe it or not, we do read all those. Um, and we'd love to hear what you thought. But for this episode of Matt and Matinee um, and Passengers, <laughs> give it a 4 out of 10. I just, I just can't, can't see it going any better than that. So as always, I'd like to thank you for joining me on this episode of Matt and Matinee, and we will see you at the movies.